Hi guys, welcome back to another episode here at the Virtuous Mother Podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Roller. This podcast serves to encourage women in their walk with Jesus as homemakers, wives, mothers, and daughters of the King. Let's get encouraged. You guys are listening to episode number three, Homeschooling by God's Grace. Welcome back to another episode here at the Virtuous Mother Podcast with Sharon Roller. Today's episode, we are going to be digging in deep about all things homeschooling. And if you are finding yourself homeschooling for the first time because of COVID, or if God just put it on your heart to begin homeschooling, or if you're just looking for some fresh ideas, this homeschooling episode is just for you. I think I'll start out this episode by sharing with you my homeschool journey, and then we'll go ahead and we'll get in to some tips that you can use for each age group, how to homeschool with multiple ages of children, how to homeschool, how to homeschool if you have one kid or 10 kids, curriculum choices, add attitudes, we will discuss all these things. I think I'm gonna start out by going ahead and sharing with you my homeschool journey. I'm a homeschool mom of nine kids. I first started homeschooling when my oldest son was in sixth grade and my daughter was in first grade. I had three other children at the time, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and then a nine-year-old stepdaughter that we would have at various times. So my homeschool journey actually started before I homeschooled. I was missing my kids a lot and I felt like I should be more involved in their life and I was just really grieved that I only got to see them a few hours a day. At the time I was working part-time three days a week at a local veterinarian's office and then we were living the typical middle-class lifestyle where we had our kids in every sport and in Girl Scouts and in every activity there was, even every church activity there was on top of that. And so we spent a lot of our time when we were together ushering our children back and forth between events. And my heart was never full. I never felt like I got to spend a lot of time with my children like quality time. We spent time together in a car going back and forth places and they got to experience a whole bunch of things. But as far as that parent and child relationship, I was really missing that. And I definitely did not have my children's hearts. And so all this stuff was really beginning to burden my heart. I started to volunteer at my children's school. At the time, my mom and dad would come over couple times a week and they would watch my smaller kids and I would volunteer in the cafeteria and outside at recess. And I thought that everything was okay with my son. He was kind of going through that awkward stage that a, a lot of middle schoolers can go through where their body's changing, their appearance is changing, their voice is changing. All these things are coming together. They're unsure of themselves. Acne starts in, you know, they start needing to wear deodorant. It's like this whole big mess of stuff that happens at once. When I would ask him about school, I would never really get a big response. And so I was just assuming that things are okay. Well, I was very surprised when I started volunteering at the school that as I began to watch him interact with the other students, he really was struggling. He would sit at a table with other students and they wouldn't talk to him. He would just sit there and eat his lunch. And afterwards, when he would go outside and play for recess, he would play with probably one other kid. But if that kid wasn't there for some reason, or if he had to leave early or was sick, then my son would be left playing by himself. And these things, as a mama, just tore into my heart. My son was a good kid. He was a good Christian kid. And to see him 
being outcasted like that was hard. And I even got to witness some bullying. And that totally does not help children at this awkward age to feel confident when they're already feeling so unconfident by the different changes that are going on in them. So I began to pray to God about what I should do. If there was any way that I could help my son, I really needed wisdom for this situation. And to my amazement, a few weeks later, God answered this prayer in a huge, huge way. It was a Wednesday night and we were at our local church and my sister-in-law, Julie, she happened to mention before church started that her and her husband were thinking about looking into homeschooling or maybe even trying a new Christian school that had opened in town that was using this really good Christian homeschool curriculum called a Becca. Instantly, I was intrigued. I'd never heard of homeschooling. I'd never heard of a Becca. I did not know what this is about. I didn't even know that homeschooling was an option. Uh, I wanted to ask her so many questions, but I couldn't because church was just getting ready to start. And I never got a chance to ask her after church. We all picked up our children and went home to start our bedtime routines, getting our children ready for the next day for school. And that night, I had a hard time sleeping, and I even had a hard time listening to the teaching going on on Wednesday night because my mind kept racing back to those two words, homeschooling and a Becca. Well, that night, when everybody went to sleep, I jumped on the computer, and I started Googling these words. I started learning about homeschool and what that, the rules were in my state and started reading blogs and about different families that were homeschooling. And then I also started researching the Abeka curriculum. I knew instantly that this was what God was directing me to do. And it's amazing. Uh, this was totally the answer to my prayer about my son. And I also began to question, you know, would my daughter, my innocent little daughter, would she have to go through all this stuff as she got older too? Finally snuck into bed with my husband in the early hours of the morning. I began to ask God to give me wisdom to be able to talk to my husband about this. You know, I was really worried. I knew I wanted to homeschool, but I wasn't sure what my husband would think. I grew up going to private school for both grade school and for uh, high school. And so I felt like I had a really good education and that I would be able to teach my children. And then my husband, he grew up going to public school, but neither one of us had ever heard of anybody homeschooling and none of our family homeschooled. Uh, nobody at church homeschooled, and I wasn't sure what my husband was going to think. And also at the time, my husband had just completed his degree in ministry, and he was currently serving as a youth pastor at our church. And nobody on the church staff, nobody in the church homeschooled at the time. And so I was really afraid of what type of response I was going to have for my husband and all these people. So for the next few weeks, I kept researching and praying to God about how to approach my husband, Dan, and the right timing. And finally, I felt like the timing was right, and I approached him, and I explained everything to him, how I'd heard about this, mentioned by my sister-in-law, and told him that this was something I really wanted to do, talked to him about the things I saw going on with Nick. And to my surprise, my husband was very supportive of this, and he told me to go ahead and try it. And... I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. That was the middle of the school year. I actually ended up keeping my children in school for the rest of the year, and I began to plan out how exactly I would do this. I was a little bit hesitant because my daughter was in first grade, and I wanted to make sure that she knew how to read 
before I pulled her out. For me, that was a little bit overwhelming. The first time trying to homeschool, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to teach somebody to read. So I felt like it took a load of stress off of me to make sure that she could do that. Now, I'm just gonna jump ahead of myself and say, I have found that it has not been hard to teach children to read. And if I would have known that, I probably would have done it sooner. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. So I began to plan out exactly how I would do this. And I also began to pray again because at the time, like I said earlier, I was working three days a week during the day at a local veterinarian's office as a receptionist and a vet tech. And I knew that I needed to be home in order to teach my children. And I ultimately wanted to come home for good. And God answered that prayer a little bit later, but he first worked it out so that I would be able to be home during the day to teach my children. So as I began to pray, Unexpectedly, my work decided to add emergency hours to the veterinary clinic, and the emergency hours were going to be from 6 p.m. till midnight. I went ahead and I applied for that shift, and I ended up getting the spot. That worked out good for us my first couple years of homeschooling because I was able to be home all day long with the kids. I did not need my mom and my dad to come over and babysit anymore during the day, and then My husband was home, we would eat dinner and then I would go to work and my husband was home to be with the kids for the few hours before they went to bed and then once I finally got home. That's how I took my jump into homeschooling and I learned so many things along the way that I thought that I would share them with you. The first thing that I want to be transparent about was my attitude. I had envisioned this perfect homeschool day where my children just sit at my feet and they soak up every word that I say and they understand everything including math the first time and there's never any frustrations and it's always peaceful and we pray together and we sing together and we all clean up the house and the whole world is perfect and my husband comes home and we love him and we have a wonderful night and there's never any stress and yeah um, that didn't turn out to be the case. I began to realize as soon as I started homeschooling, that my attitude was really bad. My heart was right in wanting to bring my children home and wanting to foster a deeper relationship with them and wanting to be the one that teach them and exposes them to different things and to have the choice of curriculum that they learn and just be able to incorporate God in their everyday lives. But my attitude really stunk. See, I wasn't used to being around my kids all the time. Like I said, we were living the typical middle-class lifestyle where it was all about as many activities that you could get your kids in, and that made you a good parent if you had them involved in a whole bunch of things, and that ensured that your children would never do drugs and all sorts of things, which is not necessarily true. And because I spent so much time chauffeuring my kids' places, I did not really have a relationship with them. And so the first year was really hard. I was very impatient and I had to even pray to God to have patience. And every time I would pray to God for have patience, things would get even crazier. And then I would have to pray to him again for patience and things would get crazier. And I finally just had to just surrender to God and rely on his grace to get me through the days. And let me just tell you ladies that if you're experiencing this, just know that it is God chipping away at you and the things that are ugly in your heart, selfishness being included. I had to learn, just as it says in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, that's the key word in this, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 
See, I had to learn how to love my children, not in the selfish way that I was loving them in, but in a way that mirrors how God loves us. And let me tell you, ladies, if you are impatient, the best way to become patient is for God to put situations in your life where you are constantly being challenged to be patient and you constantly have to cry out to him. And as you cry out to him, he will constantly chip away at those things that are ugly in your heart. So attitude was a big thing for me. And I just want to encourage anybody out there. It's okay if you aren't used to being around your children all the time. God is going to, he's going to teach you to love your children the way that he does to have that patience to not be so consumed with, I need to have me time. That was a big thing for me in the beginning. I was so much of the world and so young and I felt like I needed to have me time. And I didn't need to have me time in the sense that I thought I did. I needed to enjoy this season of life. I needed to get myself straight and I needed to focus on teaching my children. I needed to die to myself and to began to teach my children. And God also revealed to me during this time just how selfish I was and how much of my thoughts and my time and my energy surrounded around me. So even though I wanted to do this great thing for our family, God really had to show me areas of my life that were ugly. And it's been a process. I think every year that you homeschool, you get a little less selfish and that it gets a little easier. So over the years, God has definitely helped me with my attitude and also my selfishness to the point now that if it takes me, if a child's having trouble and it takes me to 4 p.m. till we get you figured out on math, then I'm okay with that and I do that. And I'm able to give of myself better than when I was just starting out homeschooling. Another thing that I learned along the way would be curriculum. There's so many good curriculum choices out there um, some really good ones that I have used over the years, if you're looking for Christian curriculum, would be Abeka, Rod and Staff, Bob Jones, Our Father's World, uh, Pace, P-A-C-E, Sunlight, S-O-N, Light. Some good ones with math have been Matthew C, Teaching Textbooks. And then also, there's a lot of really good Christian sex education curriculum. I've been hearing a lot of crazy things in the news lately about sex education and how a lot of parents don't know the things that have crept in and even it's being taught to as small as kindergartners and they're learning about sexual positions, they're learning about bestiality, they're learning about transgenderism, about lesbian, homosexuality, all sorts of things, even pedophilia and it's beating treated as if it was normal and it is not normal and we really have to as Christians make sure that we are aware of what is being taught to our children even sex education from a Christian point of view so some really good books that I have found over the years would be God's will for my body and it's guidance for adolescents and it's written by a man called John Coblentz C-O-B-L-E-N-T-Z and that's just a really good basic one Another one that I have found is Seven Lessons to Introduce Your Child to Biblical Sexuality. It's called The Talk by Luke Gilkerson. Excellent resource. Another one would be The Talk Relationships, 11 Lessons to Give Kids a Greater Understanding of Biblical Sexuality. And then another one uh, by Luke and Tricia Gilkerson, The 
talk changes seven biblical lessons to make sense of puberty and these books are probably all appropriate for i'd say anywhere between sixth to eighth grade depending on the maturity of your child you want to make sure especially with the sex education that it's something that's going to be taught by you from a christian perspective before they ever see pornography or or hear anything that would deter them from God's biblical definition of sexuality and sex. So a lot of really good curriculum out there. I know when I was first starting out, one thing that I thought with curriculum was that I had to buy everything. Like for instance, when I would look up math for the Abeka curriculum alone, there was like flashcards, there was worksheets, there was speed drills, there was manipulatives, there was time test, there was time quizzes, and I began to feel overwhelmed. So I was very overwhelmed in the beginning and I felt like I had to do all these things and there wasn't enough time and I was trying to do it with two kids and all my other little kids running around and I found out that you don't have to do all those things. So if you want to get if your child a quiz or a test every once in a while, by all means, go for it. But I have found that it wasn't really necessary for me because as you're working with your child every day, you can tell what they are struggling with. For instance, I'm working with my son right now. He's in fourth grade and he's beginning to learn three digit on top, three digit on bottom multiplication, and then also subtracting with four numbers with borrowing. And these are all new skills for him and I can tell when he's having trouble with it and when he's not and if he's having trouble with it then I assign him extra problems or we take time and we get out the whiteboard and we really practice doing these skills and going over them we take out the flashcards and we go through memorization of multiplication tables and I can tell where he needs help and I can implement that help by just doing extra work rather than having to buy tests or makeup tests or quizzes. So all that to say, you don't need all the things. You can still homeschool your child and make sure that they know everything that they need to know without buying every little thing. Uh, it's okay to pick and choose curriculum too. You know, if you like Rod and Staff for English and you like Abeka for math, that's okay. That That's not a big deal. I actually like Rod and Staff for my younger children for English. I like Abeka for everybody up until high school. If some of my children are having trouble with algebra or geometry, I will give them the teaching textbooks. And basically what that is, it's math curriculum that comes with a DVD and your children, they watch it and there is an instructor on there that will take them through the lesson and explain how to do the problems. And then there's also a separate disc that if they got some of their answers wrong, the teacher goes back and explains how to do each problem. And those can be valuable. I would say though that that's something you need to kind of watch with your uh, children to make sure that they're really doing it and that they're not just watching the videos to get the answers or watching the videos like they're they're doing something but they're really not doing anything at all like it's a tv show something to watch i don't know how to explain it you just kind of need to watch that another thing that i learned was teaching my children to read i know that i said earlier on that that was something that i was initially afraid of and that's why Part of the reason why I chose to let my children finish out the school year so that my daughter would be able to read. Well, she ended up reading really good. And the next year, I went ahead and my three-year-old daughter, the next year was four. This would be my second year of homeschooling. I went ahead and she got to be my guinea pig. And I felt no pressure because I started her out early. She didn't need to read yet. And just to see if I could do it. And what I found out was they can. And so if you are 
afraid that you won't be able to teach your children how to read, maybe do what I did and start them early and then you don't feel that pressure like they need to know all this stuff. I went ahead when I was teaching her to read and I still use this book to this day. It's the Abeka Curriculum's Phonics Book. And it's just like a little small phonics book and it goes through all the letters, all the sounds, short vowels, long vowels. And I have found that if you stick with it and you do 10 to 15 minutes every day, it does not take a lot. And their attention span is really short uh, at four, five, and six. So if you just divide it up into little chunks and then use sight words as well, as long as you finish that book, and if you keep going over the pages that they're struggling with, like for instance, if they're having trouble remembering that FR is fra or SH is sh, then go over those pages several days in a row. Don't skip ahead to the next page until you're confident that they have that sound down. But if you complete that book from start to finish, even when it doesn't seem like it's going anyplace, even when it doesn't seem like they're remembering and you've had to do the same page like three weeks in a row, as long as you finish it and you keep going, they will be able to read by the end of it. And I found that out. And so that's just something that I wanted to share with you. When you're teaching them to read, just keep going. And to also use different things, not just the phonics book, but sight words. And even if you could get a hold of some pre-K workbooks where they're having to do some work with the words as well. And I also have had mine write out just basic spelling words you know, just little ones, at, the, me, you know, your sight words. All those things being brought together in different ways all at once helps them to lock things in their mind and really helps them to be able to learn those skills. Another thing that I learned along the way is that summer is your best friend, especially when filling in the gaps. There have been years where they've done well with all their curriculum and I didn't need to use the summertime. We could just relax. Or if I knew that there was going to be something like the next year, like maybe they're going to learn multiplication next year, I would go ahead during the summer and just take 10, 15 minutes a day, start them doing flashcards to get them ahead of the game. If they weren't good readers, then I would continue with sight words and we would practice reading. If it was a year that was good and nobody was struggling, then we would just take that summer off with the exception of working on character qualities, memorizing scripture, and... A lot of times I like to get the hymnals out and sing hymns with them because the church we were going to at the time was not singing hymns. And so I didn't want my children to not know the richness of the hymns. I know there's a lot of times where the hymns have actually ministered to me. I'll be going through something and just those deep words of wisdom. Some of those hymns are filled with so much biblical doctrine that they actually ministered to me in times. I can just call them up in my mind because they're sowed so deep in my heart. But I use that time to work on character qualities and different things that I wanted to sew into them that I didn't necessarily have time to do in big chunks during the school year. Because we have a Christian homeschool, I always am teaching the Bible in some way or another, whether we're memorizing Bible verses or we're listening to the Bible on audio while we are doing schoolwork. You know, they're always learning the Word of God. But I always use the summer to really dive in deep with character qualities and there have been years when I just had like some big ones and the other ones were too little for some of that and we would do bible studies we would pick up a, a book on modesty and we would read through it and we would answer the questions at the end of the book so use your summer to your advantage to fill in the gaps of things that you weren't able to do during the school year and I'm not saying to completely you know uh, supplement your curriculum but I'm just saying that if there's extra things that you wanted to do or that your children need help 
take advantage of the summer. Another thing that I learned was how to organize my time. It's not easy when you're homeschooling to keep up on the laundry and the dishes and just keeping the house organized and clean. I know that we have some days where I'm still teaching school at 4 p.m. because I had a child that had a bad attitude or we had something unexpected pop up or they were really struggling with a subject and we had to take a break and come back at it. I would get my planner out and I would meal plan. That way it wouldn't suddenly sneak up on me at noon. Oh, now I'm exhausted because I've been out teaching children for several hours and we've had bad attitudes and the little kids have made a mess and, you know, there's laundry to be switched out and folded and dishes still left from breakfast. And now I need to make lunch and I put no thought into it at all and I'm tired. So I would go ahead and the same thing would happen with dinner. So I would go ahead and I would plan out my meals for two weeks at a time. And now that I've been doing it so long, I do it for a month at a time. And that way everybody would know, okay, this is what's for lunch, this is what's for dinner. If you have older kids in the home, then they can easily begin prepping the lunch while you continue to work with the smaller kids. Or you can take Saturdays and you can make up your meals for the week. You can make peanut butter and jelly and ahead of time, stick it in the freezer. You can make grilled cheese, have the bread and the cheese and the butter already together and stick that in the freezer and just put those things out and thaw and then go ahead and do your grilled cheese sandwiches. You can go ahead and prepare pasta, tuna salad, salads. You can plan out your lunches and have them prepped so that all you have to do is grab them or have a big kid grab them. And then the same with dinner. I know that there have been several seasons where I have totally utilized my crock pot. And with my meals planned during the morning chores, we will go ahead and prep whatever needs to be prepped for that dinner and get it going in the crock pot so that it'll be ready to go by dinner. That way all I have to do is add a side, a salad, bread, and we are good to go. And it just really makes things less stressful. As far as trying to keep up with the house clean and laundry, I, for me, we do several kind of like spot checks a day because I do have little kids that run off and make messes. So we might clean up after we clean up initially when we wake up and we might clean up again after lunch and then clean up again before dinner. That way the house tends to stay tidy. I try to keep up on laundry as best as I can in between subjects, switch it out, have kids switch it out. And then when school is all over, fold and put up the laundry. Try to get the dishes done right after, rinsed and put in the dishwasher right after we eat lunch. And then after we're done with school, those dishes can be put up. Or as soon as I have one kid done with school, then they can put them up, normally an older kid. And it just kind of helps to keep the house running smoothly. So having a newborn takes a lot out of you and then you're still trying to homeschool on top of it. So I've been through this season many times with having a newborn and homeschooling. And in those situations, it's best to pay attention to you and your body's needs and then get creative. For me, because I'm normally up early and sleep late when I have a baby, I try to make the most of my time. So if I'm up early, then I get my kids up early and we get started early. So if that baby's up at 5 or 6 a.m., that's when we'll go ahead and start our school day. And it just makes things less stressful that way. I'm able to rest if I need to rest later and I know that they've got either all their schoolwork done or most of their schoolwork done. Helps me to be able to have a lot of time in the afternoons because I got them up early and I took care of it. Or if you have a lot of children, you could also start some of them in the evening. I know I'm in a season right now where I do have a baby and so 
my seventh grader and my fourth grader, I will get them started on math the night before and we'll do the problems in math. We'll start on English and we'll start spelling. And that way in the morning, all I have to do is work through their corrections with them and explain the things that are wrong. And I still have time to work with my high schoolers and then my first grader and my kindergartner. So it's just all about finding that balance. And the longer you do it, the easier it will be. And don't feel so stressed out. You will get it all done. I know I have until my husband comes home at three to get it all done. And if that's the only thing I get done today, well, the Bible says in Proverbs that in all labor there is profit. And my family has profited from me laboring to teach them school. And I know that. Another thing that I've learned over the years would be how to homeschool with multiple ages and with that homeschooling multiple grade levels so homeschooling with multiple ages i like to keep around special toys for my toddler to play with that we only bring out during school time with babies and toddlers i have to work around their feeding and sleeping schedule i have to make sure that all their needs are met so I like to wear my baby, I'll lay my baby down next to me, hold my baby while it sleeps, and then continue to work with my other kids until everything is done. Another big thing for me when I first started out homeschooling was when I first brought my children home, especially my middle school son, I was surprised at the attitude that he had and also I would say a little bit of disrespect and a little bit of sassiness, things that he had picked up at school. And he was definitely not used to being around me all the time. And I was definitely not used to being around him all the time. And for any of those of you out there that are dealing with homeschooling, middle-aged student or a teenager, or let's be honest, in the days that we live in, the devil is just working rampant with entitlement in our children and just bad selfish attitudes. I've really seen it be on an uproar lately. Just know that it is just a season and you have to work at getting your child's heart and by that they have to basically detox from the world they're used to being in the world and around all the things in the world and all of a sudden you've cut them off and they're in their home and they're not around their friends anymore and that may or may not be a good thing you might be happy about them not being around their friends because their friends were ungodly influences but to them it really is a struggle and also them being detoxed from cell phones all the time, from iPads, from computers. You know, I think some of those things have their place with learning. I mean, we do live in a technical age, but as far as them always being on these things and not having a healthy balance, I know my child had to learn all these things and he wasn't happy about it. He could not see the goodness that would come from these things. And so I had to be very graceful and I had to have a lot of prayer and I had to have a lot of patience and a lot of talks. And it was just slowly um, helping him to trust me, helping him to detox from these things. And by the end of the year, we saw a dramatic difference after the first year of homeschooling and his attitude was better. And even though he didn't have a lot of friends in school. He was still so used to being around other people and even that toxic atmosphere that he was in with being isolated and being ignored and being bullied. He was still so used to that, that it felt strange not to be around anybody at all. I Mamas, if you're going through that, I just want you to know that you're not alone, 
that I've been through it before. Other parents have been through it before. And just pray to God and he will give you wisdom about how to reach your child. But most of all, be patient uh, and try to detox them from the things that are, are of the world. And just get used to, to doing life together, having fun together, laughing together, learning together. I know that with my son, when he first got into high school and he got to algebra, I know for a while there I was kind of panicked, like, oh, no, I can't teach him math. I wasn't that great at math at school. But you know what? Um, there are so many good resources out there. I think I said that before, like the math you see in the teaching textbooks that can help you. But it took me getting out a pencil and paper and looking at the teacher's book and working it out myself. And it's surprising how much more I understood as an adult when I didn't have the pressure to learn it than when I did when I was a teenager and had to learn it in a quick time period because I had a test and the class had to move on. And it was a totally different experience. So I just want to throw that out there for you. And God can also break down the strongholds in your child's heart. I know mine had a lot of strongholds and it, it took a lot of prayer and a lot of healing and by God's grace and just trusting God and just keeping putting one foot forward, it all worked out in the end. And my son today will tell you that homeschooling, it changed his life. Who knows if he would have kept down that path of being isolated and ignored, if it would have led to depression, drugs, suicide, who knows, but he will tell you that he is forever grateful that we homeschooled him and it, it changed his whole life. And Another thing that I learned when I was homeschooling, and this is with my son, is when they get to be about middle age or the beginning of high school, you'll start to notice that they have some special gifts that God has given them. And for my son, he was interested in coding and web design. And I think when he started out in seventh grade, we got him some, some teaching that was online. Actually, I don't know if any of you guys remember the Maxwell family, their son at the time was giving, I can't even think what it was called. He was giving like online classes. And so my son took them and he learned how to build web pages. And he began building web pages and designing websites from the time that he was seventh grade. And he continued that into high school. So homeschooling really allows you to focus on special gifts that God has given them. And to this day, my son does that for a living. So just always be looking ahead and seeing whatever special traits God has given them and looking for ways to nurture those things. And that was another thing with my son, you know, having the bad attitude. He really just needed to have somebody come alongside him and believe into him and help him find his God-given gifts and uh, just love and encourage him, you know. I think we can all relate to our parents loving us through those ugly, messy teenage years, and we have to do those same things. For those of you that have little kids, I know that it's fun. Get out your planner. I just use a regular planner, and that's where I keep my attendance also. I write every day what pages we do for every subject, and that's how I keep track of everything that we're doing. And then I'll also note if I do sight words or if I'm teaching a kid the Pledge of Allegiance, their address, phone number, multiplication facts, all those extra little things. I will note all of that in there. And then I also look at each month and I will think of fun things that we can do. For instance, in the fall, like say September, that's when the leaves are changing colors. So I'll make a note that we can go on a nature walk and we can grab leaves and we can trace them on paper and we can look up what kind of leaves they are. We can study about apples. We can visit an apple orchard. You know, you can do this, ver you can do this basically for every month and then just pick, you know, Friday afternoons, you know, Friday is a more relaxed day. Friday afternoons, go ahead and do that special activity with them. Crafts related to that, you know, obviously tie in the holidays, 
tie in the hundredth day of school. I mean, there's there's so many neat things that you can think about doing. Teach them about St. Patrick's Day and March, Valentine's Day, February. You know, in the winter, learn about the presidents. It's just so many really neat things that you can do with your uh, smaller kids. And big kids love it too. I always like to use the bus stop approach where, you know, you do the same special activity with all your children, but the bigger ones go more into depth. Maybe they study the leaves out more in depth. Maybe your high schoolers can learn the classifications of the leaves. Maybe your middle schooler can draw a drawing with the veins and all the different parts of the leaves and how the tree works and why the leaves change colors. And then your smaller kids can just be excited about learning these things for the first time. And you can also include baking in these things, bake an apple pie, you know, just all sorts of different things that you can do. Well, that's all for today's episode. I hope that I've given you some practical ideas about how to get started. And I hope that you're encouraged by my homeschool journey. And mamas, for those of you out there that are feeling overwhelmed, let me just tell you, it's not me time that you need, it's God time that you need in order to be able to teach your children. And if your me time currently is not God time, then I really want you to really consider what me time should mean to you. Filling yourself up on things of the world is not going to sustain you. You're just building your life on sinking sand instead of a firm foundation, which is God's word and prayer. And I just want to encourage you to get encouraged in the Lord, to get into your Bible, read. If you have time, even 15 minutes, spend it alone in prayer and ask God to give you the grace and the patience and the wisdom in order to be able to meet your children's educational needs. And with that being said, as a Christian, don't forget to incorporate teaching them about God and his word. If God has called you to homeschool, then he's going to equip you. You don't have to worry about that. Just pray for him for guidance and wisdom. Take a deep breath, smile and love on those kiddos. And every day is a new day and just keep going. Until next time, guys, I love you. Hope this was an encouragement to you. If you guys like this podcast and you're learning, go ahead and rate it and leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. It just makes it easier for people to find. If you guys have ever have any questions or you need prayer, go ahead and uh, you can email me at roller.sharon at yahoo.com. I'd love to talk to you guys and encourage you in any way that I can. I love you guys. Bye.